0: Hello, good day everyone. I'm really excited to have with me today Stephanie Draper who is the CEO of Bond. She will introduce herself in a second. I'm just happy to have this conversation with her about the state of the international development sector and she's going to give us advice on what graduates should be looking out for in this new post-COVID world and also give us some information around her experience of being at the front lines in terms of the response of the development sector to the COVID pandemic. Hello, Stephanie, if you could please introduce yourself for us. Hi, Temi,
1: it's great to be here. Um, Yeah, so I'm Stephanie Draper. I am CEO of Bond. I've been there for 16 months. Um, My background is in sustainable development. Um, I've been working on uh, food and energy and climate systems with a big focus on how do you create the systemic change needed to make progress towards the sustainable development goals Um, and at Bond we are about helping the sector to shape um, the policy environment in the UK and through the UK um, helping the sector to be fit for the future and we're a vibrant network that brings together all of the international development agencies so that
0: they can be more than the sum of their parts wonderful thank you for that introduction that's a lot in there to kind of start off with Um, well as you said Bond has a focus um, on the UK international development um, scene and as we all know um, a couple of months ago DFID um, has been merged um, into the foreign office I believe do you have any initial thoughts on that and what that might mean what opportunities that might mean for the sector
1: yeah I mean it's a really interesting time because um we as a sector have been working together to get a coherent response to COVID which was incredibly difficult. Obviously there are restrictions in place, Um, some programs have been much more needed, others haven't been able to move forward so they've been stalled so sort of managing all of that um, through the COVID crisis was big enough Um, and then um, the government decided to merge Um, FCO and DFID, something that we've been anticipating for a while um, and what we think is actually going to be um, detrimental for the future of development and for UK being a force for good in the world because of the different objectives um, of the two departments. However, um, them moving together does present some opportunities in terms of really bringing together our work on rights you know in as we move into influencing on cop can we um, use combined diplomacy and um, work on development in order to raise ambitions um, in that global summit and tackling wider global challenges so we're very much in the space of we need to make this work um, mm-hmm. now that it's happening Um, and maintain a focus on poverty alleviation um, through the UK's um, development budget um, and really tackling those big global challenges that we have ahead of us. Not just global pandemics but (laughs) climate, environment, um, power shifts, all sorts of other things that we are grappling with
0: that's true, and thank you for that. And you raise a good point there about the the budget, and the, obviously we know that the UK government has this commitment—the zero point seven percent commitment to aid. And they've also recently said, obviously, given the global economic situation, where there's actually going to be, um, um, they've they've you know they've slashed the budget for aid. How has the um the sector? responded to that in terms of you know finding new potential funding opportunities or having to maybe um scale 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 down the the size of programs that are being implemented in the field
1: yeah so um obviously covid has had an impact on people's fundraising abilities so most of our members work on a combination of institutional funding public fundraising, legacies, um, and some sort of um, commercial activities. Mm-hmm. So for those uh, members like Oxfam and Save the Children who have shops, they saw a massive kind of reduction in funds because they had to shut their shops for um, a short while. Yeah. But that's, um, and then some others have bit massive fundraising events through the summer, and so that's obviously had a, an impact on, on their budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then add to that that those who are reliant on funding from diffid um, also have this um, reduction in the a budget and this mm-hmm. kind of these cuts um hanging over them which are because um the 0.7 obviously links to the economy um yes. mm-hmm. uh, that 0.7 is reducing for this mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. now we don't know how much and it seems that, like the cuts are um, above and beyond what's needed, and um, we understand that not all of them will necessarily come to pass, dependent on how much um, the point, um, how much money is in the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, what it's doing is just creating a very high level of uncertainty. So mm-hmm. we didn't know until last week um, what the level of cuts were, and we're they're still working through the system. Mm-hmm. So. It's just a, a time of real um, of needing to be very agile and responsive, but also just not knowing and not being able to move things forward in the way that we would like to as a sector, because the need is greater than ever. Mm. Think about COVID being yeah. a, a, a multiple crisis. It's I think we have been very much mobilized, mobilizing around prevention and health. Um, so, WASH is really critically important at this stage.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, access to water and sanitation. But at the same time, it's um, predominantly a socioeconomic crisis. So, um, the impact that it's having on livelihoods in the countries that we serve is incredibly profound. So, maintaining um, work around that not losing gains in terms of education and particularly education of women and girls and at the same time um, working to do things like um, to protect rights and not um, see a rollback of civil liberties and um, constraints to some of our local partners in terms of influence and ability to campaign. Mm -hmm. So there's all of these things happening so the demand is much greater at the time when you see um more constraints on on people's budgets so um it's a tricky time i think at the moment we're holding up but we i don't think have seen the long um of the impending recession yet and so it's hard to know what the next few years are going to be like
0: Mm-hmm. In terms of the field and how organizations on the ground are responding, are you seeing, for example, in terms of hiring practices are people have there is there freeze on hiring are there more um mergers in the in the sector that sort of thing in terms of just having to manage resources and and um, you know meet meets both organizational cost needs but also being able to kind of you know continue to implement projects on the ground
1: yeah um So it's a bit of a combination. One of the sort of classic things as soon as you get to uncertainty is that you freeze costs. And one of the simplest things to freeze is recruitment. Um, But it gets to a point where you you can no longer freeze recruitment because you lose your ability to actually do the work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what um, members are having to balance. And how do we keep moving? Um, Mm -hmm. And... So it's mixed. There are some organizations that have had a complete freeze um, mm-hmm. and others who are continuing um, to hire as according to programs so a lot of a lot of the models are dependent on getting large sums of money for a program and then recruiting to that program. so okay. as those go ahead they 're continuing um, to hire um, and that is I think balanced um, for your as as new sort of graduates balanced by the fact that Mm -hmm. they're also people who are cutting costs more dramatically than that and um we're seeing a number of redundancies and a shrinking of the sector in the uk Mm -hmm. which means that um it is going to be a difficult time in the market because Mm -hmm. there's lots of people going for jobs um for single jobs Mm -hmm. um so um we recruited an entry-level post um, last week and got the highest number of applications we've ever had. Wow. So it is, it is a competitive marketplace. And so it's how do you um, make yourself stand out in that space? And then how do you, what other things can you do mm-hmm. um, in parallel to build your transferable skills um, mm-hmm. to, to get into the sector?
0: yeah and those um, are excellent follow-on questions <laughs> like what as a, as a, because the sector is kind of broad we have the traditional development um consultancies then you have the more private sector focused organizations who do development but also do you know purely private sector work so as a new graduate or someone who has been trans changed d- doing a career change looking to enter to work in the industry how can you make yourself stand out and where should you where should where should you be looking where are you seeing should i say blades of, of of potential opportunity
1: it's a really good question i think so one thing i would say is to look at development broadly okay. so um, we've been looking at how um, how development is going to change over the next ten years. How are we really going to achieve the sustainable development goals mm-hmm. and it's clear that it needs to be a combination of NGO activity government activity private sector um, there's a lot of um, collaboration that needs to happen in order to um, to achieve what we want to achieve or even get close to it mm-hmm. and so it's no longer just going for one of the um, big agencies. It could be working in the private sector and building your managerial skills and your project management skills, um, or um, financial management, those sorts of things that are going to be relevant regardless of where you are. So I think um, that's really key. Um, We think that In a sense, the UK sector will shrink to a certain extent, partly because programs are going in in country because of the need to shift the power to local actors, um, in part, so that is going to be a direction of travel. Um, So getting experience in your own countries um, is is, um, really key and and a way to stand out um, as well. And I think then there's a lot happening which is around um, self-mobilization. You know, if you look at the way that movements are changing, um, if you look at something like Extinction Rebellion or the school strikes on climate change, um, lots of, um, if you look at Black Lives Matter, all of those things are about people acting in different ways and not necessarily acting through organizations. So that kind of campaigning and mobilization really makes you stand out. Um, And and then the sort of next extension of that is about entrepreneurship. So I know that a lot of people are setting up their own organizations. And my only sort of countenance to that would be, um, I think we're seeing... Um, and you asked about mergers earlier, we're seeing the need to consolidate activity as well as um, foster new ideas. So if you are thinking about being entrepreneurial and setting up your own activities, mm-hmm. just bear in mind that there may be somebody doing something really quite similar that you could lend your hand to rather than having all of the administrative challenges yeah. um, and creating effort. We really do need to kind of double down on what works over mm-hmm. the next um ten years mm-hmm. um, and then there are things you know like could do you want to actually be developing expertise in things like impact evaluation or the things that learning the things that are really important currency but aren't necessarily um, seen as the f- the front line um Kind of immediate things that you think about when you're thinking about your development career.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunities. Would you say around the whole impact evaluation, impact measurements side um, spectrum of the of 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 the sector?
1: Yeah. Well, I I mean, if I look at the way that DFID um, approaches things, they're very focused on value for money. They're focused yeah. on an evidence base for we're going to fund what works. And I think. A number of funders um take that approach. Mm-hmm. So it is an important um part of um the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. I think you can take that a bit too far at times, um, because there are some things that are much more qualitative that you would never yeah. be able to put a number to. Yeah,
0: it's not um, good so. yeah. Um,
1: and we need actually, if we're going to really shift power, we need to trust local actors to be able to make their own decisions and not be kind of really um, uh, scrutinising every single number. But there's a balance in that. And I think the honest truth is, if we, if you want to work in development, you want to know you're making a difference.
0: So <laughs> yes, you yes. want
1: to be doing the impact assessments in um, whatever way suits um, to know that actually. This isn't just um, just making us all feel good. It really yeah. is actually
0: making, making a difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to. Um, this. Thank you so much for um, for the interview so far. It's been. There's so many things, so many follow-on questions to ask. Um, but just while we're talk- on the topic of like impact measurement, um, local lo- local ownership. What are your thoughts on innovation? You know, there's this idea that obviously in a time of crisis, you know, perhaps you know, is actually a moment for innovation. And in what ways would you say perhaps that the sector is actually maybe poised for, you know, innovation? Maybe the world has moved, the technology has, you know, it's, it's, it's engulfed the whole world in terms of systems and things like that. What opportunities are you seeing or are, or are organisations responding to in terms of innovation in the sector and in terms of how development is, the doing of development, how development is done on the ground?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Because I think in times of crisis, you need to balance a bit of getting back to the core and really focusing on what you're really good at and then innovating to find new ways um, of doing things. I think, um, not sure it's really an innovation, but one of the things that has really come to the fore is how important local partners are in the COVID response, because clearly. Um, Lots of people haven't been able to travel um, and so actually that acceleration towards the local response um, has been really critical. I think um, there's also um, more focus on system strengthening, um, which doesn't necessarily sound like an innovation, but it is actually... Trying to get to the root causes of the challenges that people face and the root causes of poverty um, through system strengthening and seeing health and the whole the whole health system as a route to um, not just um, individual health but national security, global um, thriving. So that's I think that's um, a really important evolution that's happened during covid and then there's the whole sort of technology agenda clearly yes if you can send a, a drone where a person <laughs> needs to go that seems to be the kind. But, but i think we need to get beyond um get beyond technology pure technology when we yeah. think about innovation it's much more about the social innovation it's how you bring people together and have different conversations about. what so
0: technology need. as an enabler as opposed to technology as for example, replacing exactly being the answer. Yeah, no, I I think I um in terms of my own personal views, I think I, I definitely agree with that. Technology is that it should be used by people to facilitate um innovation, change, and you know does help societies become more thriving. Um, I love what you said about systems system stress strengthening, just just doing research on the sector. I've seen a lot of focus now on systems, even across, for example, education, health, and things like that. Um, as people are looking for work, would you say that there's you're seeing more opportunities in terms of maybe... Um, expertise around system strengthening systems um, innovation is, is there, are there are there like little pockets of um, opportunities there that um, people can exploit in some of their careers
1: yeah I mean I so I think um, what's clear is things like collaboration learning to work together being able to facilitate different sorts of discussions are really core skills um, on the ground in organizations um, but In development more broadly, Um, because if you're going to achieve system change, that's very much around how do you bring a number of different people together Mm -hmm. to find um, new ways forward, um, addressing the root causes of the problems that you're facing. So, a lot of those sorts of techniques are going to be really key moving forward. Um, I think at the moment, to be honest, there's lots of talk around system change. And I think um, we are moving in that direction, whether or not it's got there in terms of um, it being um, a core skill set, a sort of core activity um, is less clear to me. But that's definitely the direction of travel. Mm. Um, Because we don't have time to be kind of reinventing the same wheels. We need to be actually getting to right. What are the things that are going to really make a difference? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that tends to be about core systems. It tends to be about community resilience, um, how local communities build together, as well as social protection systems um, and all of the things that you'll have learnt about um, mm-hmm. in your degrees. Yes. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but um, I have found all of those things the softer skills of the ability to bring people together yeah. to be key in my career but also central to creating change
0: yeah thank you for that um i was gonna ask obviously bond is a membership is primarily a membership organization for like um Development practitioners, like so, you have, like, so I guess Oxfam that like, Oxfam members and things like that. Um, for individuals who want to, yes, we've, we've got degrees, <laughs> that's great, but also want to maybe specialize and you know get, like, for example, M and E training and things like that. What support um, is available um, to them from an organisation such as Bond? Yeah, so
1: Bond, we really do focus on supporting. Um, organizations, mm-hmm. um, but we do have um, a whole training program, mm-hmm. um, which is about skilling people up on particular areas like project management or getting um, getting grants from DFID or safeguarding all of the th- um, the professional skills that mm-hmm. you need um, in order to move you forward. Um, the other thing. The other place where Bond can really help is we have a recruitment um, platform. So most of the jobs of our members are advertised on our um, website. So that's a good place to go as a source of jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That has slowed down a bit, um, but it's picking up. um, So I think we've had a dip. People are starting to um, uh, be a bit more confident again. Who knows where it'll go next. Um but uh, that's um and then I I'm less sure about sort of um the individual support.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and what I have found in um my career is that actually creating your own individual support networks where there mm-hmm. are kind of five or six of you, for me it's gen they generally tend to be other women um, who sit around and just sort of is provide a safe space to be working through what it is that um, they, you know, you, what you're grappling with, um, has been incredibly valuable and carries you through your career. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I think a number of people are really willing to be mentors, and um, I've been having a reverse mentor. So you can actually do that two ways because it's really great to hear from um, people who are. Starting out in their career and have new ideas and have a different perspective, um, uh, so that's that's it, it's kind of a mutual offer, not just an ask, um, mm-hmm. because we need to be working on a much um, flatter structure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's kind of that's one thing, and then things. So I think one of the interesting, I would say come and volunteer at um, Bond Conference. <laughs> yes. That's um, a great way to network and connect with others and see what um, the lie of the land is. But um, who knows whether or not we will have a face-to-face conference. <laughs> um, okay. Fingers crossed for the next year. How get into those um, online networks is yeah. um, really important too.
0: I mean, I'm sure you've been doing a lot of events online. How are you finding engagements on on, 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 the, uh, uh, on online tours?
1: Um We are finding it really interesting. So we're getting higher levels of engagement and um, a greater level of access. So it's not as London centric. It's sort of people can come who maybe wouldn't necessarily want to travel into London or... Um, can afford to stay overnight or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're actually getting really, really high numbers of people engaging in our online events. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we're definitely going to maintain that um, because it's um, it's a leveling of the playing field, which is really great. We're getting good participation in online training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, that has been a real success. I think um, we'll need to find ways to blend that because we still want to um, meet people, yeah. um, especially when you're, ta- you're starting out in your career. It's quite difficult to set up a Zoom call with somebody, <laughs> but bumping into them and grabbing a coffee um, yes. in the way that we met is much easier. Yes, exactly
0: yeah exactly and um, I that goes to the question I was going to ask around like for example, so there's the online events which happen, but around the engagement I'm even uh, more concerned around the whole idea of networking because you go to these events to network, so how um easy has it been as it were for people I don't know if people are feeding back in terms of networking, but how easy has it been for people to network through these um online engagements yeah i i i
1: i we haven't had feedback on that. Mm. I suspect it's not that easy. Mm. Um, and so we might need to think about creating spaces where mm. um, we can network with um, new graduates. And maybe it m- maybe um, it's about inviting us into your spaces.
0: That's what um, I'm doing actually.
1: <laughs> yes. yeah. That would be good. Um, <laughs> which um, would be um, a great thing to do so yeah yeah, we we need to find special roots into that um Mm -hmm. because you're you're right networking is always so critical just to keep up with what's happening but meet different people Mm -hmm. um and if there's one thing that i think is really key it's about being curious and staying Mm -hmm. curious because that is the way that you meet people you have great conversations Mm -hmm. and and then even if you're you are perhaps working in a job that is a bit peripheral you don't think it's quite in international development you're building your skills are there things that you can explore um, and find out about the company you're working with in terms of what's their ethical policy are they doing enough on the environment how are they treating how are they approaching modern day slavery what are they you know all of those sorts of things that they any company should be thinking about how can you be sort of an entrepreneur within organizations that you're working in um, and stay active and stay curious about the whole agenda so that you are being a change maker wherever you are. Mm
0: fantastic sorry great themes <laughs> great things here being a change maker being an entrepreneur i think that's good like even even with the idea of entrepreneur i like that idea because even thinking about let's say like a private sector consultancy you know an, an individual in there can introduce their organization to the development sector if they don't work there there's always you know little things as or contracts that come around opportunities that maybe a private sector organization partnering with a more development focused organization might be able to partner on and win um, a project together and stuff. So definitely an entrepreneur in the sense of even bringing business, business into your company might be a good way to kind of develop um, your development um, experience or expertise. So I guess that's kind of where there's some, for those who are, if you don't find yourself in the, um, in, in a development job straight away, you can, kind of go at it in that in in that way there's a different route in in, into the sector you know it's 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 such a wide sector now it's with impact investments um the private philanthropic organizations that are are in in the field as well um there's I, I, i do feel there's a lot of you know players although obviously as you know we'll see what what happens in terms of contraction um as this post-COVID world continues to unravel. Um, I'd like to ask you now about, you know, you mentioned earlier about the sustainable development goals, which is, I guess, as every development expert, you know, this is the de- decade of delivery. <laughs> We're all on course to de- to, de- to hopefully deliver um, some of this. I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of where we, and obviously COVID has, has been a disruption, but where are we in terms of actually delivering these SD, SDGs and um, what, must, what, what must be done so that by 2030 we've achieved something? So
1: that, I think that's the, that is the million dollar question. So I think it really depends. But across the goals, we are not looking like we are going to make it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it needs is a much more sort of concerted attention across Nations to look at their own plans um, and to double down on um, paying attention to the areas where they need to. Um, so needs to so it needs to be national strategy focused, mm-hmm. um, and that needs um, investment um, in the right areas and looking at how those areas um, link together. So it comes back to the sort of system strengthening because quite often, if you strengthen social protection systems, then you give then there are more opportunities for things like livelihoods that you um enable that links into better healthcare systems better nutrition um, all of those sorts of areas so i think it needs um global institutions to really sort of pay attention to the sustainable development goals and see them as a defining um set of goals for um nations universally and then it it needs us to be combining activity on the ground and making sure that um, we are learning from each other um, and not duplicating efforts so that we can really accelerate progress on some of the key areas. Sort of more hopeful on things like um, climate and making progress there because I think public support is very high, certainly in the UK, um, and so is um, the political will. Um, mm-hmm. But um, COVID is definitely pushing us in um, a different direction when it comes to extreme poverty Mm. um, and that side of things. So there's going to be a lot of work to do.
0: On that, yeah, definitely. I I definitely agree with you. Um, If you had, um, I suppose, uh, what's it called now? no, I was going to say a magic wand, but if we see into the future and where we are in 2030, what do you think the key themes would be going forward in terms of you know the development, the the, the, the development space? What should governments, um, with this they're toying with governments around the world, especially I suppose in the Western world, are toying around with their budgets and things like that to so meet obviously their first their national needs and then also the more international needs. But what should their focus really actually be? Would you? if you were to, for example, advise the Prime Minister. (laughs)
1: I'm not sure that I'd be
0: be qualified
1: (laughs) to do such a thing. Well. Um, But I think think you would look at what is um, the foundation of -hmm. social protection that you need for your country in order to be able to um, ensure that you're not working in an unequal system that people are making their own decisions about the future um, and that they are empowered to do so. And so that they have the support structures in place to do that. Um, And then from there, look at how do you um, create a sustainable economy? So how do you create an economy that is not, that does not overextend you in terms of resource use, that is about building human capital and really um trading on that rather than kind of exploiting resources and the environment. Um, and so that and and I think one of the things that I would do is um I would suggest that there's that you don't just focus on GDP as your um success measure, but you have some route to look at a well-being agenda or something um that is about national happiness rather than um national wealth um, mm. and that would take you um in the right direction mm. so um yeah that if my, my magic one question um be something like that um but i think there's there's a whole load of um things that we are thinking about in terms of making trade fairer um making um Global finance systems work better so that you have proper tax systems and proper um, redistribution so that you can support those who are vulnerable um, and marginalized. Mm-hmm. And so those those things are doable, yeah. and that's how we will achieve those goals. But it mm-hmm. needs a shift in focus.
0: Yes, yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, so, my final question really is going to be: is going to look at. Um, this obviously, as you mentioned earlier, there's been um, self mobilisation um, campaigns, and one of them being um, Black Lives Matter, which has kind of seemingly seeped into every sector of society. If I can say that myself, um, how do you think the development sector has responded to this? And are are there calls for, or is there room for more inclusiveness or inclusivity in a sector that really is quite, is is very diverse? But there have been um, arguments that it's very western centric and needs to you know have more of a power balance shift in terms of input from from southern from southern countries
1: yeah i mean i think the sector needs to do more on this um Mm. we're quite clear um i think there's a lack of um diversity at senior levels in our own organizations um and then There is work being done um, that needs to go faster around local decision-making, really shifting the power, because it's the power dynamic that makes the difference. Um, And so that's about funding, but it's also about Um, Mm decision-making. And uh, the people who are most affected um, need to be making decisions about um, how things move forward, so that um, that whole shifting the power agenda is going to be central to the next ten years of development um, and getting that right um, in a way that um, shifts the power but grows power
0: um, mm.
1: for those who are marginalized and vulnerable at the same time um, is really key um, and I think being actively anti-racist as a sector and addressing the colonial roots of some of the um, work that we do is going to be critical to that. Um, and it's going to be, I mean, going to be a, a tough journey and we need to make sure that we get to um, the best outcomes together, that it's a,
0: a collaborative effort, I think. Have you seen any particular organisations leading, leading the way in this respect? Um, so
1: there's, there's um, Family for Every Child. I don't know if you know them, who were, um, were an INGO and have um, separated out into a set of partnership organisations. So they're now much more of a network. Um, and the office in the UK coordinates funding, but also learning um, across that network. Um, but all of the programme delivery happens through um, local actors and local NGOs who are part of that network. Um, So that's an interesting model um, that is, I think others are looking at through kind of um, uh, devolved responsibility through their federations, um, local partners being a kind of step along that journey. Mm -hmm. Um, Partnership's going to be really central um, to the way that we move forward to But it it does need a sort of long, hard look at our models, um, because that isn't necessarily how things have been working Mm -hmm. um, in the past. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's um, that is going to be one of the significant changes that I think we will see um, across the sector in the next
0: five or so years. (laughs) <laughs> we look forward to, see, to, to seeing the different changes and hopefully it will make for a more inclusive um, sector. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for this podcast recording. I'm sure our graduates would, would um, appreciate it and, and love listening to it. Um, the f- Just for, for our graduates, um, their website for Bond so that they can you know have access to the recruitment, bo- recruitment board is www.bond.org.uk. And that's where they can get access to the jobs board, get access to latest jobs and developments, um, and other um, related resources. Is Definitely can-
1: yes. Okay. Um, thank you very much. It's been really good, really fun. Thank you. Thank you.